0: Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Page One podcast. I'm Tarek.
1: I'm Marco, and thanks for joining us at the Page One podcast, where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers, how they got into the industry, and try and get as many hints and tips as possible. And what a milestone, Tarek! 90, ninety episodes. Who would have thought? Back in the GJ Moffat episode yeah, one, back very in the day. First guest. That's right. Oh, how nervous Certainly I not was me back then. Managed no. to <laughs> persuade ninety people to speak to us. Who would have thought?
0: Hey, 90, 90 idiots didn't know who do do bigger idiots were rocking up to speak with them.
1: Exactly, but I mean, yeah, do check out some of the past episodes if you haven't before, because. it'd be we have surprisingly had some very great guests on this
0: podcast. And we've got some very big guests to come as well. We do, we do, we do indeed,
1: season. starting this week. Starting
0: with today with Katrina Ward, who, um, she her first novel was Raw Blood, uh, won the August Derleth Award, I think that's how you pronounce it, Derleth, for Best Horror Novel, uh, and she won it again for Little Eve. She was the first woman to win that prize twice. Little Eve also won the Shirley Jackson Award for Best Novel, and her third novel is the one that kind of everyone probably knows her best for, I think, which is The Last House on Needless Street. It's received yep. absolutely massive rave reviews, became a massive bestseller. It really was a huge kind of impact that's come out. And it's been bought by Andy Serkis's company. It's been made into a movie. It's mm-hmm. just kind of really everything's happening right now. It's very exciting.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, we we talked to her about that whole Process. Uh, I think she's an executive producer on the oh, on the film. How much fun um, is that?
0: Imagine being an executive.
1: I know, but of, of your own of your own story. Own story is is incredible. But um, no, it, it's a really interesting chat speaking with Katrina because you know, like many people, um, th- there was a struggle to get that first novel done and get it published. Mm-hmm. It, uh, she tells us it took her seven years to get to that position. Um, which is you know, in a way if if you're if you're a writer out there and you're trying to get published, it's heartening to hear these stories because yeah, totally. often what you see is the the, the end of that process yeah, it's, when it's, they're it's, a massive stories, bestseller. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um but yeah, no, really interesting and we talk about, you know, how you write horror and how you separate yourself from, you know, these really quite horrific things yeah, that you're researching yeah. and you're writing about. Yeah.
0: And and she's someone who's done a Creative Writing Masters and I think she's maybe the first person who's actually told us a little bit about what it's like being on that course. So if you're ever yeah. interested in what what you do when you're on a Creative Masters course, she chats about that and it's quite an interesting, one of yeah, the classes is, is quite an intense way of... Uh, of yeah, we, your, we won't spoil it, you. but we might chat about that after the podcast yeah. a bit.
1: But yeah, it's it's, it's certainly... a. a Interesting to hear about Um, But we'll we'll get straight into it after a quick advert For our writer's notebook And then uh, we'll be back at the end of the podcast With a bit more chat And to let you know about next week's great guest as well
0: But for now, on with the podcast
1: The blank page To some it's terrifying An obstacle to overcome But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity A blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures And characters in our head So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is... Write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow.
0: But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure? Whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic, or any other kind of story, we truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps.
1: We can't wait to read what you come up with.
0: And remember, every story starts with page one.
1: Did you always want to be a writer? Because I know, I think I'm right in saying anyway, that you went to try and become an actor as well. Is that right?
2: Yeah it was. I mean and it was that was sort of my first love. I um, ever since I was little I I wanted I wanted to act and um, I went to drama school in New York in my 20s and but there was a sort of um, moment where I realized after I finished that although I was all right when I was on job, I just couldn't audition that I got far too nervous, and I' always messed it up and ended up being really bad <laughs> so, so um, I had this sort of I had this choice before me about whether to whether to keep going and in a profession which is so difficult anyway mm-hmm. I mean I have such so much admiration for the actors who, and uh, you know who who do do it on a day to day basis and stick it out because it you just break your heart every day and um you know and with with the added uh, wrinkle of not being terribly good at getting jobs so I gave, I gave I gave it up although it's that it's that kind of conundrum of you know uh, if you give up acting and no one notices <laughs> 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 is um were you ever really doing it in the first place um so um I gave it up and I did some other things for a while but I think that was quite I, I that was very sad for me because it felt like I'd reached the end of um of you know uh, of, of a of a long uh a long wished for um kind of journey mm-hmm. and and that it was not going to go anywhere so when I sat down to write um it, there was this quite huge opening up um and I realized that storytelling was something that it was, perhaps that was actually the key element of what I was attracted to in the first place was was storytelling and not necessarily acting in itself so I think the two are really related but I I definitely um yeah, I, 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 definitely had a sort of a first, a first um, impulse towards and first love for um, acting rather than writing.
1: But, but presumably, you didn't just sort of think, "Oh, I'll now just become a writer." You must have always had that interest from when you were younger and telling stories and things like that.
2: Well, I've all, yeah, well, I, well, I grew up, I grew up in a very quite isolated environment. So I grew up in um, Kenya, Madagascar, Yemen, and Morocco. And um, back then there was no internet and there was really no way of keeping keeping in touch with anyone from, from your past life, really. And like, I, I remember a letter took six months to reach Madagascar. Right. <laughs> and, so <laughs> it was really very isolated. And what you had were um, your family. And so it's the four of us as my sister and my mother and my father, and you had books. So that was, I think, a huge influence on, on on the way the way that shaped and formed the way I think I think you know it's um um you know stories and books and um you know words on the page were always such a big part of my life I think I think that it's it always formed this landscape to my thinking and I did English at university and so I've always had this interest in it um and I do think yes and I do think that like Storytelling in all its forms can has you know there's a great relationship between between the two between the the the, the methods and the modes of storytelling, but yeah I mean it was it was books like I I didn't really have any friends I had books I think many many children have this experience especially those who go on to maybe go on to write or go into the creative professions, Um, lonely isolated children are the like the pool from which we draw our writers and artists. And
0: um, and you went to work in am I right in saying it was in London because obviously you you travelled you you travelled all the place living and you spent a lot of time growing up in Dartmoor and then you worked in London for a while with the Human Rights Foundation as a writer and I I wondered and I'm sure that was a much more technical type of writing and creative writing but was that kind of that help you kind of cement this idea of actually the writing process is what I quite enjoy
2: doing I think it it did it definitely kick started um Mm. kick started the the thought process in my brain but also um doing it every day even if it's a different as you say very different kind of writing um and uh kind of getting that muscle working again was very was very important um and then also it's sort of of, if you're writing for because i was writing for the foundation's chair and doing articles and speeches and things like that it's you start to think well I quite like to write something for myself, you know, mm-hmm. something that something that comes from me and, and that I I'm com- I completely shape and and dream. So I think it was definitely a, definitely a big a big influence. And when I started um, trying to write for myself and st- trying to write a novel, it was so unbelievably difficult. And I think anyone who's tried to write uh, who's written a first novel um, <laughs> will understand this. Um, it. And it was, it seemed almost impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, It took seven years for me to write my first novel. And it, uh, I think I I must've written at least 40 versions of it over and over. I don't don't have like a trunk full of novels, which a lot of people do. (laughs) I have one, like 40 of it. And (laughs) um, it was really, yeah, I went and did, in in the middle of it, I did um, a creative writing master, the UEA, University of East Anglia Creative Writing Masters. And that, Was a, that was amazing, and I think that was a real jump start. And God knows how long it would have taken me if I hadn't done that. But um, it's it kind of it got the. It, I think it gives you permission. Like one of the things you you, you one often feels is is um, the difficulty of battling that imposter syndrome, and mm-hmm. and even just being among your peers for a year and having nothing to do but write, and um, also. Um, Having been accepted, I mean that's that's kind of a big deal, isn't it? Because it's so you know it's, it's it's quite it's sort of quite famous and well known, and and um, and you you feel like well maybe there's a slight chance that I'll be admitted into this into this like tiny tiny club. Um, I mean there are lots of steps that go after that, of course. But I thought you know for your self esteem it's quite it's quite important, mm-hmm. and also just what I it 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 also gave me a huge window into what, how other people of that. Of that, um, or that career stage, we're doing so. There's nothing. Nothing teaches you as much as other people's writing. You seeing what because the the way the workshop works is um, you you hand in the week before someone's workshop. Everyone hands in five thousand words. Hands out copies, so everyone in the class gets one. And you go away with your two two sets of you know it's a two people a week, or two people per session, and you you mark you read it through and you mark it up, you annotate it, um, and then you come back. And everybody talks about you for two hours, and you are not allowed to speak. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> that sounds awful. It's <laughs> awful. You're allowed to. You're allowed to write notes and um, to ask to like respond at the end. But the thing is, it's two hours long, and you're going through literally every stage of emotion. You're like, <laughs> and um, you it, by the time you get to the end, you can't remember what the hell you were talking about. You were so upset about anyway. But um, it's. <laughs> It, and once you've had that done to you, that's very, there's It does one of two things, one of two things, which is, first of all, the worst thing that can happen to you, which is people say your crap does happen and mm-hmm. you don't die, which is great. So you, it teaches you that, you know, you don't need to worry about that. It, it, if, you know, the, the worst thing your fragile ego could, could possibly dream of in that respect to happens, it, it just, it will be all right. Um, and also it. Um, t- also teaches you to look very clear, closely at other people's writing and what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong mm. um which is so interesting it's um you never get to you never get to read a lot of writing at that stage you're always reading finished products you know you're reading things that people have acquired and bought and, and have has been edited loads of times and um so that's why i think the workshop process can be really handy because you get the raw and adulterated um you know, uh, result of people's of people's of people's effort, um, and I I think that can be really instructive for someone at that stage. Um, can say- it be?
1: Can it be? I mean, it sounds like it could be quite a a scary process as well. Obviously, as you're saying, and you know, could it be disheartening as well to people if if you are if you have a session where. Like no yeah. one likes what you've written. Essentially, <laughs> it, 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 it could be Absolutely. it could yeah. set you back in a way, could it not?
2: It really does. And um, I was that's that's a really good point to make. So some people in my year did didn't finish the year; they dropped out because it wasn't it wasn't what it was. It, they Yeah, it just sort of destroyed them. Mm-hmm. I, it works differently for different people. I would say. Um, I mean, I because <laughs> I write what I suppose what's loosely termed genre, um, and. Um, back in the day, UEA is a bit different now. They're a bit less um, snooty, if we will put it that way, um, They because they have a crime writing course and things and, and that now. But back in the day, almost every workshop that I was workshopped in began with a discussion about whether... <laughs> whether I had the right to write what I was writing at all, okay. um, whether it was any good. So there's a sort of, but you get, I, I sort of came to quite enjoy it <laughs> like, <laughs> because you can't do anything about it. You can't, um, you can't argue because um, mm. you're not allowed to talk. So there's a sort of like hearing what people, or getting a window into what people think of, of this sort of hierarchy of genre. You know, which, uh, you know in, in this instance, people putting like very like literary, yeah, literally fixed it on the top, and then going down, and then somewhere down there you find me. So it's kind of, it's, but it's instruct. I found it really instructive, and also quite fun to watch them. Have to admit, very occasionally that even though they didn't really like, you know, horror or genre, that actually some of it they did, they didn't actually did quite hate. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's the little battles. It is fun, um, isn't it? There's, there's a real
0: like we've talked about this. Yes, in the past, and certain genres, horror, sci-fi, they're, they're kind of they are looked down on by a lot of people, and and even what was it was it Margaret Atwood did say, I don't I don't write sci-fi, and you kind of think, well. How many still sci-fi, why you know, and and, and why yeah. and what's wrong with sci-fi? Yeah. And it's yeah. Yeah, I've never quite understood why certain genres are held up and other ones are put down. It's a strange thing.
2: It's weird. I think they're seen as particularly horror, seen as quite childish. Like yeah, they're maybe. seen as like, you know, play play. Like we should have outgrown these things. We deal yeah. with grown-up things For like children, novel, yeah. yeah, novels about immigration. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. and there's particularly with horror, there is this thing of like, we're not really supposed to be afraid anymore, are we? We're supposed to be uh we're supposed to be adults. We're supposed to have, you know, have sorted all that out. There's something very uncomfortable about fear. It's sort of shaming in a way. It makes you embarrassed. It's, 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 it's not a, it's, it's not perceived as as a very as a very evolved mature emotion. So I think maybe that that's what caters for for horror. I mean, there's this, oh god, there's this line in rev- that I, you always get in reviews of um literary fiction when a literary um writer has uh, sort of jumped over the fence briefly to dabble um, in the mud on our side of the fence. <laughs> um, there's this line you always get in the review, which is, they have transcended the genre. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's so
0: true. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God there's literary gods came in. And was I mean, it, it's it. funny as
1: well, isn't it? Again, obviously it's entirely subjective, but, uh, you know, a lot of literary fiction that I have read, yes, you can appreciate the craft in it and uh, the structure, yeah, but as as a as something that I tu- that touched me, or I remember that, or enjoyed, me, even yeah, or even enjoyed. It's far rarer to find that for me personally in literary fiction than it is in in genre fiction. It's just so, I, I, and from a publishing standpoint as well, I can yeah. only imagine that s- s- sales are much higher in genre than they are in literary fiction, with the ob- obvious odd exception
2: but. i don't know I, I just don't know i, I suppose also i, I that, that in me there's a slight resistance to 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 the, the sort of separating out of the two things like mm-hmm. genre is very literary there's yeah. like yeah. um yeah. and sure. um this sort of hierarchy is constructed but um i yeah it's it's a fun it's a funny thing i do think it's getting we're having a moment where um People are taking genre a bit more seriously, perhaps because of the sales. That or I I don't have, I don't know the sales figures, but um, perhaps you know people uh, are forced to sit up and take notice of 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 genre a little bit more and give it a little bit more um, attention. Simply because if enough, you know, money talks. I don't know. A lot of people are buying it, then people there tends to be, you know, you've kind of got to take it a. um, Take it a bit more seriously. I yeah. I, I don't know. I think in the states they take um, they take horror, for instance, um, very seriously. Like it's um, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a it's it's much more um a co- like it's a much m- more booming sort of big um, lucrative genre there. Um, but I, and I think that's crossing over here as well. I, but you know, everything has its time, doesn't it? They, all all of this is just a matter of sort of um um. Uh, you know peaks and troughs and yeah. and and like phases I would I I'm not going to say fads or fashions that's not quite right is it <laughs> but like um, you know everything everything has its has its moment and then and then falls out of falls out of favor and then comes back and you know yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely um, and your first book then was Raw Blood um, yes. which was something you worked on I believe am I right in saying when you were working as a writer in London and then and, and then again, at UEA, and then after UEA.
2: UEA.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, i it sounds like the 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 ME really helped with the writing of that book and stuff. And you know, after seven years, when you were finished with it and you thought that it's ready to go, what was your process at that point? Well, I suppose first of all, how did you know when it was finished? Yeah. That's a, a question we often kind of wondered. How do you know when the book's done yeah. and you're finished reading it?
2: I mean, I. I, um, I had a very very particular not particularly productive way of working back then, which is, first of all, I used to treat it like a seance. So I used to, like, sit down with a glass of wine in the dark and just wait to be visited, <laughs> um, which, as many people will know, it's not the most effective way to work. <laughs> um, I just didn't, I didn't have any process. I didn't, have any, I didn't know how to write. And actually, weirdly, you know, despite having done the, the MA, nobody actually tells you how to write there's no um there's no kind of uh, instruction it's just all it is is just um a collegiate you know a collegiate thing of reading each other's work um but uh i so i i, I would you know I, I felt like it was being able to write was something very much out of my control either i could i would be given it that day or I would not be given it that day which is sort of i think it feels' a feeling that persists um in a lot of in a, in on a you know in a lot of writers, but um, you try you you suck, you get over that with heart with just heart with work. Now mm-hmm. you can't create your work, but um, what I also did was I would I worked steadily more or less from beginning to end over and over and over and I would just I would spend hours on a sentence I would you know just every tiny little moving part would be agonized over um and it was I never really I uh, got came to understand the process of drafts until much later I just you know the idea that you could just you could do a sort of quick like splurge draft <laughs> would be like horrifying to me because it, everything you write surely has to be perfect right and <laughs> um, and so it it, that's partly why I think it took me a really long time and so as in terms of the answer of how when I knew I'd got to the end it was when I reached the end of the book because I'd never written the ending before I wrote the before I before I um I finally put the ending on like I think Mm -hmm. in every draft I'd stop short of the ending so it was it was a very I mean seven years is just too long isn't it like just don't take that long everyone it's (laughs) (laughs) it's um it's it's ridiculous but um I uh yes I um I, 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 th- I think I, I didn't I, I didn't understand the value of um which I really do now uh, the value of uh, doing of tele- of building the story in, in layers the first draft I think is just something you, you're, you're telling yourself the story mm-hmm. isn't it um and then you from then on you um you progress and you add you know nuance you add like Character, you know, character depth and things like that, but um, so I I I just I had this massive, really quite long, um, (laughs) quite 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 um quite uh laboriously written, very um you know, uh kind of complex novel, which also uh, research was another rabbit hole I went down as well because it's quite a lot of nineteenth-century medicine. So Raw Bloods um set in various uh various times so there's a napoleonic one uh, just after the napoleonic war there's uh, a late 19th century uh uh section and there's a first world war section and a couple of bits in between so what i decided is that as well as researching all of the gruesome 19th century medicine which like i mean delightful is some of the most revolting things i've ever heard of um, <laughs> um what i did was i Was determined that each section would not have a single anachronistic word in it. So every single word had to—I would check against you know—and if I couldn't find it anywhere, um, or find a dictionary reference to show when it came in, I just—I wouldn't use it. And I mean, God, that took (laughs) took a long time to do. (laughs) Um, And I think it's—it does come a point that I think it was a case of um, sometimes research can be a crutch to stop you moving forward like if you're doing enough research you're doing your job you know whereas actually suddenly yeah. you've got to take the leap you know you've got to jump off yeah are you are you two writers
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah and it's true i think it's 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 very easy to, to spend to get a cop in that trying to perfect something and not knowing at what point do you Send off and say I need some help now yeah. to take it to the next step. You know, it's it's I've done all, all I can with it because then you can always you always have that feeling that I can make it better. And one more pass, I'll make it better. It's not quite there yet, and yeah. and yeah, that that is that is quite quite quite. Attractive. Yeah,
1: and and on the research point as well, I, I agree entirely that you can sort of get obsessed with. I, I'm just going to make sure I fully understand exactly mm. what this process is yeah, 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 or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. before I even start writing it, whereas you'd be much better often, just, as you say, yeah. get something down. And then yeah. if you need to, you can clean it up and and hone it as as you go through the draft.
0: Yeah, and then you're going to know what you need to research almost because you've kind of yeah. got that mm-hmm. blueprint a yeah. little bit. So you're, you're reading everything, I suppose. Yeah, it is tricky. Yeah. So so when you had Rob blood at that point where you eventually thought, I've re- I've reached the end now. I'm done what, what was your process at that point in trying to get out there
2: i just um well i'd met some agents at uba they're quite good like that so they'd arranged you know people to come and do talks and and i i just written down some names really <laughs> and um and like a couple of years later i well, must have been yeah it must have been a couple of years after the course finished i just wrote and said i met you you know a couple of years ago blah 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 do you want to read my book and um I think if I'd known a bit more about, if I'd thought, if I'd known a bit more about the process, and if I'd thought a bit more about it, but I was so scared of because this was the big next stage, isn't it? This is the big moment about whether someone's going yeah. to take your book on. So yeah. I, I almost just went, "Send!" You know, <laughs> like, co- covered my eyes and hope for the best. Um, if I'd known a bit more, I probably would have, perhaps, um, I might have just. I might have just taken my time a bit more, you know, because there's, there's nothing wrong with taking your time and also um, sending out to lots of different kinds of people. And I think I was in a real, I was, I, I think I, just, I wanted, just wanted to do it quickly so that I didn't have to think about it, um, which is a, a really strange way of going about it. But um, I'm sure one, that, a, a sort of state of mind that's familiar <laughs> to many writers, like, just don't think about it, it'll be fine. Um, and then luckily I found a... Uh, an agent and we worked on the book for a bit and in, again in in, re- in retrospect like I don't understand why he took it on my god it was just <laughs> quite it was quite it was quite quite sort of cumbersome but it's um should I say what it's about yes maybe yeah, I should yeah so definitely. it's it's um it's the story of um a family who live on in a, in a uh mansion on Dartmoor but they're cursed by this um visited by this specter which is a starving skeletal white woman who basically frightens them to death um, if they get married or if they have children so it's a very inefficient parasite because obviously the family the family narrows and narrows and narrows and fewer you know children are born and until there's just two left um at this lonely house called raw blood which is iris who's our the protagonist and her father and it's about how she uh avoids the curse or doesn't um and it's great fun because you're sort of playing detective um it's great fun, you know I'm, I'm making fun of myself by talking about how, how how lost I got in all the research and everything but actually you know it was it was, it was an amazing thing to write because it gave you such permission to range so widely over styles yeah. and times, and and um you're sort of playing detective the whole time to see because you you visit you move between Iris's narrative and also the families, um you know at various points in time and you sort of, one of them, one of them is her. You're sort of guessing which one as you, as you kind of spend time with like her, you know, her, her ancestors. Um, so I really, I, I love that. And it also takes all of my, the all of my kind of great deep loves of um, Gothic and the, you know, the, the literature of, of the uncanny mm-hmm. and uses it. And, um, it was a it was a funny one raw blood because i think it's 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 probably the 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 book that comes most from or was spurred most by i mean not based on but spurred most by personal personal experience because it was so we i mentioned moving around um and um we used to come back the only thing commonality the constant thing we we had was this house on dartmoor we used to come back to every summer um where do i get my ideas and (laughs) uh, and um (laughs) But uh, I was about when I, I think we went there from, it, from when I was four to when I was about eighteen. And um, when I when I was thirteen, I started having this thing in the night where I'd wake up with a hand in the small of my back, pushing me out of bed. I'd fall on the floor. it was absolutely terrifying. It's probably the most frightening thing that's happened to me before. Yeah, that it does
0: sound absolutely, absolutely terrifying. Awful. Was it? What, 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 I mean, obviously, was it a ghost or was it? Something well, I else. thought
2: it was at the time because I didn't, uh, we, again, you know, we didn't have Google mm-hmm. um, I, what it, um, and I, I used to go and sleep on the floor in my sister's room. We just didn't tell a grown-up either. Why didn't we tell a grown-up? <laughs> I don't know. It's like a, a, that's like I a know, kid's, kids movie, do, isn't it? So, yeah, kids yeah,
1: exactly. tend to keep these things to themselves, don't they? Yeah. It? It's yeah.
2: It's, I, mean, I think what it actually was, um, well, I know what I know it actually was is, um, is something called a hypnagogic hallucination, which just happens just as you're um, between waking and sleeping um whereby you yeah you uh you you very vividly hallucinate um it's a touch and sound and sight even as Mm -hmm. well I still get them occasionally but it's not as frightening if you know what they are you know Mm -hmm. but for but for many many um years as far as I was concerned I'd seen a ghost and that was sort of what when I started writing that was sort of what and I, I I felt I don't think I consciously thought about that for many years, but when I, you know, when I put pen to paper, it just bobbed up like a like a corpse.
1: And did you? I mean, obviously, you said your process has has changed, yeah. Uh, now, but I mean, for raw blood and for your later books, are you someone that that sits down and outlines it in detail beforehand? I mean, obviously, raw blood, if it's jumping jumping between these time periods, then you would yeah. think there would have to be some forward planning into that
2: you'd think right um... <laughs> or it did take seven years of course <laughs> yeah. um I didn't I'm not really a planner I I am um, a couple like I find actually each book sort of tells you what it wants if that doesn't sound too pretentious um, I'm always surprised at um at how different and your 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 um your kind of technique and, and, and approach can be from book to book. Because um, you. I think there's this sort of assumption that once you know how to write, you know how to write and then you just do it like that. That's what you do, you yeah. just do it. Mm-hmm. And I I, I, don't, I, don't find that to be true at all. Um, you know, I finish each book and I go, oh, I know how to write now. And I start the next <laughs> one, I like, oh, no, I don't. Um, so I think, I think that in terms of planning, I tend not to plan too closely because I find it kills it. Um, with things like, things that are very um, with Raw Blood I think I found the plot as I went, well I, I, I bloody well should have done I mean, who knows what I was doing <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think I worked it out as on on the go um, but with um, later books I, um, I think it's more like you know there's an end point and you've got to get there you yeah. not, mm-hmm. you've no idea how I mean that's probably the, cl- I, I've tried doing the sort of serial killer board of bits of yarn and pictures and stuff, I just I can't, it doesn't it just makes it go dead for me. Mm-hmm.
0: I wonder, because um, Roblood was re-released this year, and yeah. I wonder, is
2: it something which you,
0: do you ever look back at your older works or your first book stuff, and do you, uh, are there things which you could learn from that? you know, Or is it just a case of, or is it a case of I don't want to look at my old works, I don't want to, I, I, I kind of cringe a little bit by it, or is it a case of, oh, look how far I've come or I can see how I've improved or, or that's I could have done that smarter and I oh, want that lesson forward? <laughs>
2: probably a combination of all of all of those things i mean i because there are there are bits in it when you just go, oh honey no and then there are <laughs> and then there are bits there are, then there are other bits where you're like god this isn't actually as dreadful as i feared mm-hmm. um i i am um, i'm going back to um Little Eve particularly, um, which is my second novel, because they're releasing it in the States for the first time um, oh, uh, in awesome. October. And that's weird because um, I'm having, I've been given the chance to read, to kind of revisit the text and part, and, um, and kind of make changes if I want to. And part of me just thinks, but no, that's the book I wrote and mm-hmm. you should leave it as a kind of, you know, it's a, it's a photo, you know, it's a snapshot of, um, of me as a writer. And it's also, that's the book it was. Yeah, yeah. And then part of me just goes, well, "Brilliant! I can just fix it." Um, <laughs> I, d- I don't. Um, I don't think I'll make big changes, but um, it is really odd. It's a bit like seeing like an old boyfriend. You know, you're like, "Ooh, I like." You seem very nice. I, j- I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, so it is weird. It is weird. Um, I, I, I revisited Warblood a little bit to do a, um, for a reading. Um, I had to read quite a long section of it, and I read—I read from the beginning, and I remember thinking, "Gosh, I felt simultaneously very close to it, and then not connected to it at all." Yeah, it's a funny one. Do you find that? Do you find with with early work, you get sort of you just try? I I know
0: exactly what you mean. Is that you do have that combination of, oh god, this whole paragraph is just dreadful, and then moments of like, "Ah, actually, this isn't half bad. This is—I don't think I could write this as well if I tried now. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's the other great discovery, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, oh, I was better then.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, how the hell did I write this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, and your, your latest book, of course, is uh, Last House on Needless Street, um, which uh, has been a big hit. And do you want to tell listeners, in case they don't know about it, what, what that one's about?
2: Sure. Um. So The Last House on Needless Street is um, uh, it's a bit of a departure because it's set in the US. It's... um. Uh, it's about Ted, who's a very lonely, reclusive man who lives in a boarded-up house at the end of Needless Street um, uh, on the edge of the great sort of ro- wild, roiling forests um, of the Pacific Northwest in, in Washington state in, in the U.S. And he lives with um, his uh, 12-year-old daughter Lauren, who's very troubled, and his um, gay, Bible-reading, talking cat, Olivia who Narrates part of the story, and this is the litmus test really for readers. If you get past the gay talking cat in chapter two. This is the book. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, possibly not. But, um, and so children have been going missing in, in, in that, um, in the area for some time, these uh, disappearances that have never been solved, and um there's a, um, a young woman named Dee whose sister disappeared some years ago at a nearby lake and she comes to believe that Ted had something to do with her disappearance and she also comes to believe that perhaps his daughter Lauren might not be all that she seems. So she moves into the house, Bacon House next door to his and start, starts surveillance on him to just to see um, whether she can determine whether he's, he's culpable or not. Um, and then Lauren, Ted's daughter herself, goes missing. So, and that's things ramp up it's a very um it's, it's quite it's quite I would say it's, it's not a comedy it's um it's got some t- difficult material in it I found this was the book that burned in my brain I, I've never had an experience quite like it I just I felt possessed um I couldn't stop writing it um but it also felt was quite dangerous in a way because it's quite a high wire act of it's quite a tightrope to walk um, in terms of trying to tell the story without revealing the architecture underneath mm. because it's it's got um it's got um a uh, got a, a you know quite a big reveal and I remember thinking, like every morning when I got up to write, I was like, "I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> like, can I do this?" Um, and that, but that's that, felt exciting to me, you know, um, to be like, I genuinely don't know if I can pull this off, um, but let's see. Um, I, I mean, t- it, it felt really energising, and mm. uh, I mean, scary, but but great.
1: And uh, how how did the process for that one then differ from your earlier books?
2: Mm, I think that's when I really um I just wrote as fast as I could mm-hmm. um which is and, and then and then I think prop really properly started I think it's the first book I've ever really properly been like right first draft second draft third draft um and not you know lingered over over sort of very you know passages or trying to perfect something or trying to work out something as I as I was going along um also I gave myself a lot of permission to move around in the text so if I if I I didn't write in a linear fashion at all. I wrote um, almost in a sort of like crazy, fragmented process, which um, really suits the book if you've read it. Um, and I, I, I knew. Uh, I did. I did research as well for this, but it was not. It was. It felt different because it was researching the effects of trauma, and I found. Uh, I mean, I, I just. I found that I. The book sort of felt like it was changing me as I was writing it because it's, there's such extraordinary things that the human mind is capable of. Um, and I, 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 was, I felt quite um, humbled by it, really. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, it, it, was, it felt like instead of um, looking backwards, you know, to check a fact that I had got right about something that happened in 1899, you know, it felt like this very living human research about, you know, people mm-hmm. who... Uh, you know people who were extremely vulnerable and um had and, and also chose to share these amazing stories with me. It felt very different um to the to the usual to or what I consider my usual kind kind of research um, I think I still and that was when I tried to do the sort of serial killer bits of yarn and bits of tape and pictures yeah. of people because it is such it's such a it's like a glass castle with moving parts. It's very, very difficult to, um, to change one thing without changing others. And I thought, well, how nice if I could just diagram it. Yeah. I tried. It was really, it, it didn't work. So the only thing I found I could do is hold the entire thing just in my head perfectly and then move bits. like uh, very very delicately Uh, it was it was difficult to write and maybe maybe someone with you know more evolved process than me would have done better I don't know maybe they would have made they would have had had a a method for 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 making that that process easier I I don't know
0: well I mean it's I thought it was absolutely fantastic book and I actually loved it and um I I did I kind of read in an interview somewhere that you'd said that um some inspiration was or it started off at least being kind of serial killers and their pets and you know the, the what's his name uh, Dennis no Hindley knew, had a dog and yeah, a mind. cat or sort of dog and and that connection that psychopaths have with pets and you know which is a fascinating connection because you've got these people who love their animals and yet they kill people and they often yep. they kill animals to start with you know so it's, it's such a, a strange connection that it is a fascinating link and I can totally see why that would be an inspiration to write about and then obviously you've taken that a little bit further, and you've actually taken a cat as a character's point of view. And so, I mean, where did that? Where did all that come from?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I do, as, as you say, like I think, I think that relationship between someone who has absolutely no uh, empathy and an animal is kind of terrifying. So I, it feels like almost another form of captivity, doesn't it? Another form mm. of like coercion. You know, the animal doesn't has no idea that they're being forced yeah. into a position where they have to love this this dangerous. Um, mm a uh, really um, malign person. I, I thought I thought that was just horrid, you know, really, really creepy. And I think also, and there's a sort of, I think I tried to sort of, <laughs> There's a, the th- that captivity theme runs all the way through. Like, I felt like what I wanted to do with the style of it as well was almost force the reader to like wear the characters like a skin, you mm-hmm. know, force them into point of view, like really close mm-hmm. but, um, first person to the extent that, I think it's probably quite an uncomfortable reading experience that's what I thought you know that's that's exactly As you you kind of you you make the reader feel captive as well but yes no it was um it, uh, I I think there's something creepy very creepy about um s- serial killers keeping pets and almost all of them do um and I just thought what a horrible way to what a horrible way to to kind of, and it's it's a naive narrator as well, isn't it? Because the animal doesn't know anything about their situation. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's like a child, it, isn't it? Almost that kind of.
2: Yeah. They say
0: things which they don't understand, and you as a reader, you know what what really, was really going on, even if they don't. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I, I that so that was my jumping off point. So it, it did start with just Olivia the cat, and and um, and uh, you know, and uh, someone she and and the person she lived with, but um, as you know it um, grew much beyond that because it suddenly felt like there were just, there wasn't enough, it, it wasn't a big enough story. Like there was a much bigger story waiting to be told. And I thought that that I, sh- I should, I should really like, I can I can blow open the walls of the world here mm-hmm. and, and tell the big story that's underneath. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. But it's a very, yeah, it's it's a very, <laughs> it's a very strange book, but I think strange in the sense that it it reflects how strange I think the world is, especially now after after you know learning about um, some of the effects that trauma can have have on people and on children. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it it grew much beyond its origins. I think is, is, is safe to say.
1: Obviously, it's been a huge success and won awards, and I think the film rights have been snapped up by Andy Serkis's company, uh, quotes from Stephen King. I mean, uh, how does how does that feel after, you know, starting out, going back to seven years of writing raw blood to, <laughs> yes. to this position now?
2: Bloody hell, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, also, this is sort of my, in my sort of defiant book as well, because um, Little Eve, my second novel, didn't do that well for... Um, uh, uh, in terms of sales it won the shirley jackson award which is great mm-hmm. but by the time it had done that it'd already been out for a year and a half or so so it, it it was just kind of um it was a bit too late to sort of help help the book find an audience and although now it's it hopefully it will with the, the release from, with um, from nightfire next year but um it was it was i you know Publishing is a business like any other. And um, I started to wonder if, because I think Little Eve sold minus copies its first year. I don't know how that's possible. I, <laughs> I, <was gonna laughs> see. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. That's what the royalty statements say. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you I, uh, money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, that, that is it. Because if, if you have a bad credit rating, you just, you probably, it's very difficult to get an advance for a, for a new book. And I thought, um, I thought, I don't know if I'm going to get to do this again. Um, and if I don't I'd really like to make this last one really count <laughs> and do something really anarchic and like the book of your heart you know um so I did <laughs> um it's it's um that that's what that was the, the it was a big departure so you know it's all of my previous books have been um more more traditional gothic I would say and historical and um I think followed much more uh, uh, kind of normal structures Mm -hmm. Um, and this one I thought no 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 I'm gonna I want to I want to take all of that stuff that I love um all of the conventions of the gothic you know these lot of oppositions of like with savagery and domesticity and um and like the themes of containment and and captivity and and use that to do something a little bit different Mm -hmm. because it is I've never written something with got quite so uh big if for want of a better word not a twist but a reveal Mm -hmm. and doing doing that was 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 like very much that was very much the tight rope but it is also using using the things that I I, I love in writing and and, and all of that to, to, to build something completely new you sort of make the reader a bit complicit I think mm. in inviting them to have um points of view yeah. and make judgments which perhaps turn out to be not well founded so that that it was it was complicated in that in that sense, but I, I really wanted to do something big and and a bit mad, you know. <laughs> I think that I think we can all agree I succeeded on the second count. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I also wanted to ask um, for people out there who are writing yeah. books about dark subject matter like *Last House on Needless Street* is about, and you know, I think you you've talked before about um, the difficulty in writing something which or, or writing about things which you find personally abhorrent or horrible and yeah
2: you
0: know how do you how do you research something and write about something without getting letting it get to you I suppose
2: well you it does get to you I think is the answer and it can't not really um and also I think it should get to you in a way Mm. shouldn't it because how can you how can you put on the page the horror of it if you don't feel the horror of it yourself Mm-hmm. Um, that I think that's part, almost part of your part of your responsibility if you're going to choose to do that. Um, but you know you don't you, you don't you don't have to you don't have to traumatise yourself. Um, <laughs> it's it's um, it, you have to keep yourself safe and be the and be the good writer who can tell the story, not not um, you know get get puni- get punished by it. I think um, p- weirdly pl- plot will save you because if you if you if you're using the uh, using these these terrible things in service of telling a story it sort of lifts it outside yourself and it stops it being something that you're just internalizing because you're te- you you're doing you're active you're you're communicating yeah. something instead it's instead means of to just end,
0: it's a... yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and
2: and telling and and sharing which which is um e- it's not it's still not easy i don't think but i think it it's it's um, it it stops it becoming a sort of like sinking into this, into all the terrible things that you've um, seen and read that day. Um, I also think that um, the best, I mean, obviously research, if you're going to deal with things that are sensitive and about, you know, people who are quite vulnerable, I don't think you can really get away without doing research. I think that's it. Um, And then go and look at a horse at the end of the day, you know, go and find a pretty horse or like a landscape or something. And, T- take care of yourself it's a lonely job um because you spend all day on your own staring into a computer screen or a piece of paper and um you know it's it's important to keep yourself um on a on an equilibrium so you can continue to do your job the next day
1: yeah i, I was i was going to ask that i mean when you're when you're in the midst of all of that are, a do you read at all but b if you are reading are you reading something that's a completely different genre lighter or are yeah, you I mean, in I, that world?
2: I, yeah <laughs> I don't tend to read much um while I'm writing and also I don't listen to music either but I someone asked me that the other day and I only just realized that I don't and I think that's because I find music so it it's so um affecting yeah that I actually I, I'll start to write the music you know <laughs> instead of instead of what I was supposed to be doing but I don't tend to read much while I'm writing no I it's um, one one with Vanessa Street, however, that I, there's quite often a, a, a stage before I get really, really um, uh, in, into the into the book where I'm sort of looking for like you're reading for inspiration on you, so you're you're reading around and particularly looking for just little things May not, might not mean anything to anyone else, but little things that you can use as a you know almost like a hook that will dra- always draw you back into the mm. story. And for Needless Street, I didn't. It's, it's back to this question: How do you write the unwriteable? You know, how do you write unwriteable, terrible things? And there was one book which I came across, which really I thought, ah, this is how you, this is how you do it. Which is uh, Joyce Carol Oates' *Zombie*, which is, uh, I mean, one of the most horrible books I've ever read, but really, exactly, exactly did what I sh- showed the, showed the way of, of writing these kind of mm-hmm. un- terrible acts. Um, it's based on Jeff, or it's based on a serial killer. It's about a serial killer. Based on Jeffrey Dahmer, right. um, Joyce Carol Oates, as you know, referring back to our conversation earlier, like she's the one of the darlings of you know the American literary mm. elite. So <laughs> to have her do, have a um, you know write that was is, find that is quite, <laughs> quite something. But it's um, it's the way she does it is extraordinary, and I I thought ah oh, okay this is this is it. It's it's. You, do, you don't write it, you write around it and um, you make sure that you have, you almost invent a sort of coded language for the book that you tell the story through so that you can tell the story without having to use uh, like graphic imagery or anything like mm-hmm. that. So um, uh, that was really useful, but in general, no, I don't, I don't, I don't tend to read when I'm writing. Uh,
0: and I think it also, um, I'd, I'd read you, you reference things like, you know a lot of which I imagine was really helpful for research true crime stuff um i in the dark by Michelle McNamara that oh, kind of yeah because you're writing about a subject where you know it's not like a fantasy or a historical yeah. it's, it's like a real it's a it's a it's real it's kind of not real life but it's 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 that kind of horror story which does happen sadly and so I think there is a lot of inspiration and research you can do from reading true crime stuff is that right
2: I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's really true. I think there's so much exciting true crime around now um, and because I started, I, I, I love true crime. I read I read and watch a lot of it. What I found um, um, <laughs> in my great deep dive, many deep dives is that the earlier true crime, um, like I'd say, you know, the sort of stuff in from the, from the eighties and nineties and, you know, before can be quite, it's interesting. It can be just quite, um, misogynistic and self-congratulatory it's often written by people who like I remember there's this sort of there was a scene where they were um, in the it's a book by the, the a guy who led the investigation into well into, eventually led the investigation into BTK when he was when he was caught and there's a scene where they all all the cops in on in that de- department all find a reason to be um, on the final uh, arrest raid, so many so, so many of them that actually they're, they're kind of tripping over each other and almost almost mess it up because there are so many of them, because every single person wants to be the guy yeah. who's, like, there to catch BTK. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a sort of, like... And even it's you know, the, it's not restricted to, like, male writers. Like, Anne Rule, I think, is quite... She can be quite misogynistic. There's a sort of... There's a sort of, like... Um, uh, mythologizing of the serial killer in a way, as sort of like, you know, two two titans of, of intellect, <laughs> of, you know, like yeah. playing cat and mouse across the yeah. ears, whereas actually it's just, it's not like that, is it? It's just someone who's lacks ap- affect and empathy, who's mm-hmm. allowed to get away with things for far too long. So um, I like that there's a new true crime kind of impulse which I really like which is things like Hayley holds The Five which Mm -hmm. is reclaiming narratives humanizing Mm um humanizing the the story and particularly the victims and Michelle McNamara is obviously a prime example of that um I think I I, yes anyway you could sorry if you start me on true crime I (laughs) mean
0: no but I think it's what what you're saying about writing kind of around the Subject because I'll be gone in the dark, it's amazing. And it's terrifying and it's not overly graphic. And it's it's the little things like you know, he would after someone was tied up, he would sit quietly for like half an hour and they think he'd gone and then he'd move and he was still there. And so they would wait there for oh. four hours and and just that and not knowing oh, if he was still okay. there or not. And that was like that's like a terrifying thought. And it's not a graphic description, but it's no. and and I suppose that's a really nice way of capturing that kind of horror of it without having to go into the Gory details of it all.
1: Also, just on true crime as well. What you're saying is is right. I think, and actually, even even now, there is still a bit of this with some of the documentaries you come. But you know, there is a danger. I think of of sensationalising. Yes. It's ma- making a an anti-hero of mm-hmm. a serial yeah. killer or something like that the yeah. way that yeah. someone Dexter sold. and stuff yeah exactly yeah or,
2: the, yeah. the charm the charming you know evil genius yes, yes. They're, not, exactly. they're not they're not evil yes. genius uh-huh. sorry
1: no exactly you know what I mean. <laughs> but um anyway mo- moving on from true crime uh, your your next book is a uh, sundial <laughs> um uh, which i think is out in march next year is that right um, are you able to tell us anything about that just now
2: Yes, of course. Um, so Sundial is um a story of uh, Rob, who's a mother, um, who lives in the sub the California suburbs with her um daughter, two daughters and her husband, um, and very regular life, and until she discovers that her elder daughter Callie, um, has very troubling impulses, and in fact is trying to kill the younger daughter, so. In order to, to sort of, um, in, in order to, to to buy time and uh, separate the separate the two, so that you know she's no longer a danger, she takes her back to her childhood home, which is called Sundial, in, which is in the Mojave Desert. Um, and it's as the plot starts to unfold, you start to realize that Rob's background is uh, not at all conventional. She grew up on this in this sort of facility. In the Mojave, where her parents did experiments, and as she tells Callie the story of their past, um, and Callie's present unfolds, you realise that they, they are not unconnected. What I really, uh, what I really wanted to do with this, and uh, what what the main dynamic is throughout the book is, through for most of it, mother and daughter are convinced that the other one wants to kill them, um, and I, 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 I'm so. F- Um, family is such an important theme in all my books. I've been told by my agent I'm not allowed to write about sisters anymore. That's it. There's no more sisters. (laughs) Um, But um, it's such an important theme in all my books because it's the thing that means so much to me. And my family isn't monstrous. So it's the idea of that bond going wrong that I find so terrifying. And I think that there's, at the same time, I think, you know, it's it's easy to sentimentalize a kind of mother-daughter or mother-child relationship because I think there's a lot of Strong, quite unpalatable, not necessarily acceptable feelings there, and mm-hmm. I don't see why they should be excluded from the narrative. I think it's really, I think, I think there's there's a there's a lot of of powerful and not 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 particularly nice um, uh, nice sentiments that, that can accompany this great deep love, mm-hmm. um, and I thought I wanted to really explore that. Um,
0: oh, that it sounds. Absolutely fantastic. I'm very, very excited for that. I have to say I'm, I'm oh, reading that in March next year. Um, and how is the film adaption of Last House coming on? Is that is that I mean, I know these things take years and they're very yeah. slow and COVID's <laughs> not helping on that, but I mean, is there movement at all that you can say? Um,
2: nothing yet. No, I'm nothing I can discuss anyway, but I will I will I will believe me, I'll be shouting it from the rooftops <laughs> so I can. Um, because it's so it's so exciting. And I oh, think. the imaginary are just amazing they they're really they're so um committed and imaginative and um are you you involved in any way at all or
0: are you happy to step back and let them handle the adaption I
2: mean I'm I'm gonna I'm I mean it's very early days yet so there's a there's a kind of discussion going on about how involved I might be I've got an executive producer title
0: oh cool that's awesome
2: I know um which is unusual for writers I think Um, you know most most people are like keep the writer as far away yeah. as possible <laughs> yeah. from from all from all filmmaking um, endeavors but um, they they're very um, they're very open to um, to writers being involved which just speaks speaks very well of them um, but yeah I know it's, it's, it's very exciting I can't I can't wait for can't wait for the next steps. And,
1: and given your your initial love of acting and stuff like that um, is would you ever want to write a screenplay or anything like that?
2: Love to, yeah. I mean, I think I've just I've just signed a new two book deal, so I've got like two books to write. So I'm, I'm booked up basically until twenty twenty four. So it's one a year, which yeah. is quite. I I hadn't quite anticipated quite how fast that turns yeah. well, around.
0: Seven years for one book to seven months. Well, oh yeah, next
2: year, and, I and yeah. So I, I'm I'm um, I'm a bit taken up with that now. But I'm definitely I'm really I've got ideas, and I've got sort of having discussions about it because I I'd love to. I'd love to try and work in another medium. You know, I, I think it's I think it's really I think it's really a really exciting challenge to like move from quite pro, you know quite visual prose to sort of scripted drama. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, yeah, I'm really interested in that.
0: Presumably, we can expect a cameo in the film, given your acting history. Take it your-
2: I don't know if I get to ask for that. But, um, oh, I've talked to my agent. Um, no, I, um, I don't know. Oh god, that would—God, that really would be bringing all the streams back together, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hideous.
1: And what was the last book that you read?
2: Oh, the last book I read was um, Mrs. March by Virginia Fito, which is absolutely amazing. Um, it's about a New York socialite who may or may not be going mad and whose husband may or may not be a, a serial killer. Oh, that's nice. There are no good outcomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but well, either way, it's a bad one.
2: Oh, it's wonderful. And I, I got real writer's envy while reading it, actually. I was like, oh, oh, that's very yeah. good, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> uh, what about the last film that you watched? That's a good question. I must have been. Um, what have i been doing with my time um <laughs> i think i think i'm trying to think of the last film i watched that i liked because i don't think there's any point in saying anything if you can't say fair anything enough. nice don't fair say enough. anything that's at a, all That's, that's, enough. that's fair enough. um <laughs> uh and there's nothing no I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, i really enjoyed um oh i loved um I really enjoyed Midnight Mass. I thought that was wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on I my
0: think... list, my Netflix list to watch still. It's
2: very, very good. I think yeah. I think it's it's very original, but also it's so thoughtfully and written, there's such psychological depth to it. Mm-hmm. I, it's not I mean I think yeah, it's great. I loved it. Awesome.
0: No, I'm a I love Mike Flanagan's. Like I loved The Last House. Uh ha- uh House was just yeah. I thought incredible. Um so yeah, I'm very, very excited for this. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, and the very, very last thing we always do is a uh, super quick fire either or. So I would say there's no right answers apart from one. Uh, so the first one is Red Dragon or Silence of the Lambs.
2: Silence of the Lambs. Nice.
1: Uh, TV you? or cinema?
2: Cinema. Night Owl or Early Bird? Night Owl.
1: A uh, fancy restaurant or takeaway? Takeaway.
0: And the last one, real book or ebook.
2: Real book, yeah. Ah. I just can't, I, I do like ebook because you just take so many of them with you. But I just, I find my focus just just totally um, zeros in on a printed page, you know. Thanks.
0: Fortunately, that was the wrong answer. That was the one which actually to Tarek. Like, well,
2: you did say you like E-books, so I don't know,
0: maybe it's a, I'll give him maybe a point for each. I would take a point. He for each
1: tries each. he tries to claim points cuz not many people <laughs> read E-books at all.
2: I don't hate E-books at all. I just think, yeah. That's a win
0: for, that's a win in my book. I don't hate <laughs> I don't them. Hate them. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Well, thanks again to Katrina for coming on to the podcast. I really enjoyed that chat. And like you said at the start, it was really interesting hearing about what it's like to actually go on one of these creative <laughs> oh, writing courses. I know.
0: Imagine sitting in a chair for two hours, not speaking, while everyone just chats about your work and potentially how bad it was. I think I'd be... Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's,
1: it doesn't sound like a process for the faint-hearted. Oh, and oh. actually, you know... It sounds like some people couldn't take totally, that, yeah. which is I mean, understandable. I mean, frankly. What,
0: what a kind of trial by fire in a lot of ways, but what a great way, I suppose, of just really learning. You do have to have a bit of a thick skin. Folk are going to be saying this stuff to you once you're out there, and also, I, I
1: think what I took from it as well is that you're not only learning when you're listening to other people's or critiquing other people's stuff. You're not only learning what they do right, but you're seeing that other people do stuff wrong, totally, yeah. which is reassuring yeah, for the you only as one well. Who's kind of yeah. With the- Pros, exactly.
0: Yeah. No. I think absolutely. That's 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 a really good point. Um, because
1: that is part of the process as well. You know, I, like I said at the start, you hear when you see authors having great success, you're seeing the good side of it all. But this very same authors all have the same yeah, struggles. Exactly. Often,
0: exactly. The, you Stephen King, I'm sure, has the exact yeah. same doubts, or at least had the exact same doubts, and yeah. um, you know, and trials and processes. And I think it's easy to forget that when you're seven years in and you're in the bottom of the nine whatever is that the right yeah, word to use exactly. the, uh, is it bottom the, the bottom
1: of the nines bottom of the nines. I don't know why I keep going back to sports what, sport do, what sport do you think that is <laughs> baseball, though, it's baseball isn't it it is yes. baseball well
0: done <laughs> <laughs> uh, no that was, that was a lot of fun thank you very much Shuna. and anyone who's not read Last House on Needless Street definitely go and buy that it's a fantastic book and Sundials Out March 2022 it sounds very good as well
1: yeah it sounds like another great one so yeah and Obviously, looking forward to the movie of I Last know, House on the Street. Well, I say that I am not scared of when movies. it comes to horror films. <laughs> so you can tell me if I did good, good yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um But no, no, thanks, thanks, Katrina, for coming on again. And um, next week we've got another great guest.
0: Yeah, next week we're chatting with the superstar that is Joanne Harris. Um, perhaps still to this day best known for Chocola. Uh, it was your third novel, which was a really, you know, massive kind of cultural yeah. phenomenon when it came Became out. Became like, the movie film and stuff, yeah. Johnny Depp and stuff. It was stuff, huge. Yeah. And uh, and so she's, and she's written just, I mean, that was a number of years ago now and she's just been so prolific. Although she doesn't really, she wouldn't say she's been, but looking at her list of books, she's really has put a, a hell of a lot of books out since then. It's really oh, yeah, impressive.
1: definitely. And also, um, you know, more than, you know, I, I think if, if most people most casual people, readers might know her for chocolate, but she's she's written, you know, series thrillers and sort of fantasy stuff as well. Yeah. So uh, across a gamut of, of genres there. Yeah, um, a lot of like mini
0: series, maybe four or five books in a row yeah. of, of of different genres. And, uh, and so captures people who maybe don't even know she writes other, other stuff.
1: Exactly. And she's also uh, the chair, I think it's the chair of, Uh, The society of authors as well. So we chat to her about that a bit as well. So it's again, a really interesting and informative chat. So uh, please do tune in for that one. Um, If you enjoyed the podcast, uh, please do take a couple of seconds to give us a rating and even a review on Apple podcasts or whatever your favorite podcast app is, because that really helps us stay in the charts and continue to get these great guests.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if anyone has any questions or comments, you can always get in touch by sending us a tweet to at right underscore gear or an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk.
1: But otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next episode. See you later.